the good dudes grow We help you understand the benefits With CBD and cannabis, yeah The good dudes grow We remove the fear of the unknown By giving you all the facts The good dudes grow We bring the unbiased content from opposing views To give you nothing but the facts I welcome you to the show The good dudes grow On today's episode, everybody's favorite stoner, Mr. Tommy Chong. Everybody wonders why we broke up. I'll tell you why we broke up. We got rich. <laughs> and I learned one thing, you can't make a rich Mexican do shit, boy. I say, Cheech, come on, man, we gotta work. You go, I don't think so, man. <laughs> you go ahead, I say, I'm gonna stay here and do something for my people. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today, we have America's favorite stoner, Tommy Chong. He's a Grammy Award-winning comedian and is legendary for his contribution to American counterculture as part of the iconic comedy duo Cheech and Chong. These two guys recorded six gold albums, including the 1971 Grammy winner, Los Chinos. He's also starred in eight films, most of which Tommy co-wrote and directed. These films include Up in Smoke, which was one of the biggest comedies of 1978, topping over 100 million at the box office. Others include Cheech and Chong's next movie, Nice Dreams, Things Are Tough All Over, Cheech and Chong Still Smoking, and The Corsican Brothers. Tommy Chong is also the author of the New York bestseller, The I Chong, Meditations from the Joint. The I Chong is at once a memoir, a spiritual exploration of his time in prison, and a political indictment of the eroding civil liberties in post 9-11 American society. He tells us the unbelievable story of his trip down the rabbit hole of America's war on drugs and his experiences in the federal prison system. He offers up timely observations on combating the conservative political forces at work in this country. Mr. Tommy Chung. Yes, it is. Thank you so much for coming on today. I appreciate you taking time out of your day. My pleasure. So listen, I've done some research. First of all, big fan. I saw all of your eight Cheat and Chong movies when I was growing up, so a huge fan from everything. That was, that was, those were awesome. Grew up laughing, perfect, loved it. During my research on your background, uh, I did come up with a few things. There's only a couple of topics I want to touch, but there's three specific things that I personally want to actually know because a lot of people like me did okay. not know that you started out in music. Yeah, yeah, I've been... I was started out as a backup guitar player. A rhythm guitar player. I started when I was uh, eight years old. I, I could play enough that I could, that a fiddle player across the field from me uh, started using me as his backup. In fact, he taught me how to play backup guitar. And then uh, then I hooked up with a, a full blood native uh, uh, Indian named Dick Bird. And he was an Elvis impersonator. Again, I was I was a backup guitar player. Never played the electric guitar until I was, I guess, seven, 16, 17, 17. And, and then I started playing uh, uh, rhythm and blues. But yeah, I've been, I've been, a, I've been a, one of those guys that you know, can, can play, but I, I worked, I played to make money. <laughs> you know, to, to, it was a job, you know what I mean? I, I I never really did it as a as a I never took it serious. I took lessons. <laughs> uh, just my dog. 
It's funny. Hey, stop. It's funny. Every time I do a podcast, my gardener with a blower comes, like on cue. <laughs> he comes, the gardener with a blower, and my dog sits there and barks at him. He's been doing it forever. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, any, anyway, I was, um, yeah. And then, then years later, uh, many years later, uh, I started, um, well, what I did, I hired really good musicians uh, in, in the band. Uh, and so then, then I got music lessons, <laughs> like on the, on the stage, you know, when they look at me, uh, they call me over, hey, uh, listen, don't play that chord, play this one instead. <laughs> so in your music career, when you were 16, I, I read something saying that you met a blue, you met a bass player out in Los Angeles that gave you a, a Lenny Bruce album. And I think was it maybe your, your first marijuana joint. Was that it? Is that yep, how it all got started? It. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had a, a jazz club. The only nightlife in Calgary back in the day was a, 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 like a, a, a private jazz club, you know, where you had to be a jazz player. And I could get in the club if I carried my guitar case because they thought I was, um, you know, musicians got in free. And so I would go to the club. It was, uh, it was my hangout, you know. That's how I got into jazz. And, um, yeah, yeah, it was very cosmic. Uh, this uh, jazz uh, bass player, a uh, Chinese guy named Raymond Ma, he uh, showed up one night. I was there, and he handed me a, a Lenny Bruce album and, uh, and a marijuana cigarette. And uh, I put the marijuana cigarette in my pocket because uh, I was, I was, I was kind of scared, you know. I had heard about the reefer madness and that, and, but he lit up one of his own right in the club and we we smoked it and uh and, and I, that, I was hooked. Is that, i was is, I is that where you kind of got the word to calling it the italian cigarette <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably well yeah uh in calgary you know uh you could smoke openly because no one knew what it was <clears throat> and there was you know i mean it was almost like a death sentence uh, if you got caught selling it you know but uh, no one really knew you know and so we could smoke it anywhere and when they would ask us what kind of tobacco that was they said hmm, that's interesting we tell them it's italian <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's so funny so i also saw during, yeah. during the research that weird enough and, and kind of like the same thing we're going with through the fire department it, and we'll get a little bit more into the legalities of how everything's changing but the government kind of they would with your background i would see the government kind of go after you for possession of marijuana or selling marijuana and they didn't go after you for that they went after your other business which is basically a glass company just making uh, bong bottles for cigarettes and water is that, is that what happened absolutely yeah the bong company um well you know we were kind of skirting the law uh in, in fact and and so they had to plug it up because we, we could get away with there were a lot of head shots back in in the day marijuana was illegal but uh, you could sell everything else, roach clips, everything, <clears throat> papers with wire in them and that. And so uh, the government uh, got a law, a paraphernalia law. And, uh, and it was so stupid that we, no, one, no one took it serious. I mean, I, I mean are they going to put you in jail for a, a water pipe? <laughs> you know. <laughs> in fact, I was in a movie one time with... Uh, Snoop, Snoop Dogg and, and Dr. Dre. It was called uh, The Wash. It was a takeoff on the car wash. 
And uh, I showed up on the set. Well, they let me write my own bit. And so what I did, I showed up on the set on a little scooter with a bong and a bag of weed. And, and I told them, I says, the weed's free, but you got to pay me uh, 300 bucks for the bong. <laughs> and and I, I thought it was so smart, you know, uh, you know. The weed is free. They can't bust me for that. <laughs> and, and, and I can charge them for the bong. Well, I think it was a, a couple of years later, I got busted for bongs. <laughs> that's, that's a whole karma thing. So you get busted for bongs, and now you're back being a, selling cannabis products, being an activator for cannabis. So everything kind of flipped over. Well, you know, the, the, the thing about weed, I learned real early, you know, in my re- because I did research. You know, because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a, I wasn't a druggie by no means. I was the opposite. I was like a, uh, a bodybuilder. You know, I was interested in health. I played, uh, I tried to play hockey. I played football in, in high school, but I was really light in the, in the butt, you know, in, in the legs. And so I started wor- working out. I started weightlifting and, and I got hooked. And that was back you know, it was back in the in the in the fifties, where where uh, weightlifting was barred. You 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 weren't allowed yeah, to. Wasn't weightlift as wasn't as fashionable as it is today. No, it was considered. It, it made you muscle bound. <laughs> and, and so and so uh, so I've always been, uh, uh, um, you know, like weightlifting, uh, a weight uh, bodybuilder, and then I found out that the pot was the only thing that bodybuilders would do because they did all the research too. And, and they found out it, it made them it calmed them down, you know, and then they could get, get into workouts, you know, they work out really good. In fact, Arnold and all those guys, you know, that was the only, uh, uh, uh drug or substance they would use when they're training for right. that, that leads into my, that leads to my next and, personal thing. I heard a story that, you, I think Arnold probably I think it was after a competition. You were, they were all outside, or they were hanging out. They were having like, like bong hit competitions, and then I guess they kind of out yeah. beat you, which was kind of, sort of funny in, in <laughs> retrospect. <laughs> well, I was a kid, you know. Considered, I was the little guy uh, that hung out with these guys. You know, um, Zabo, the guy that ran the gym. Uh, he would have little pot parties at his house, and the and the and the the thing was they had a big bong, a, a nice size bong, and they would put like an eighth of weed in the bowl and fire it up with a torch, <laughs> and then they would they would suck it into the bong into the bowl and it would explode, you know, and. and and these, you know, these guys are nuts. You know, they're the guys that supersets 50, 60 pounds for curls, you know. And, and so they were crazy. And and the whole thing was to, you know, make that thing explode. And so when they handed it to me, I took my, because I'm a one hitter. I take a little, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> It was like, get out of here, punk. <laughs> uh, I love when I heard that story. That was so funny. Now, what are you thinking about that's coming down the pipeline with all the, the legalities of cannabis? Where do you see that going? Do you see that headed more 
I know some federal governments are talking about it. They're trying to get it. The House just passed something uh, a couple of weeks ago saying they're trying to get it. What, are your, what do you see? What do you envision? It's going to be rescheduled, first of all. They're going to reschedule it because all the, all the evidence is in. You know, uh, so they're going to take it off that because it's Schedule One now, and it has no medical use whatsoever. And that was because of the heroin scare back in, uh, in the, I guess, the early twenties uh, or whatever it was. When they used to have heroin, they were selling heroin like like oxycotton. You know, they were selling it, you know, over the counter for 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 sleep aids or dental work or so. And and so they 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 lumped. The, the marijuana in there the same with the same uh, tag and so they have to reschedule it to something that has it can be regulated but it but it has definite proven medical uh, good goodness you know in it you know because all like my my wife's all my wife's friends you know especially my wife you know she never smoked pot she she never smoked anything she thought it it aged her you know <laughs> but she does these little strips that i got you know these are breast strips with thc in them and they uh and they're they're like uh, uh the wonder drug for for her set and and they have thc they have THC and and they're like little breast strips. You you know right. peel it off, put it on your tongue, and uh, and she t- she takes a half of one. <laughs> <laughs> she cracks me up, but I mean she's right. incredible, yes. you know. And she she she's beautiful, and, and 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 she takes like three dance classes and yoga classes, and she's got this body that I mean. <laughs> I mean, it keeps it keeps me awake at night. <laughs> kind of keeps you awake, like. But it's kind of keeps you awake, kind of the clubs when you own the clubs and you started with what do you call them? Uh, actresses in the beginning was that it? Was that the word we used? <laughs> oh, 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 right, right. The, the strip club. club. Well, we had the there again. See, pot in, induced. You know, you get high and get think. Oh, I got an idea. What happened? I had an after hours club that was given to me. Can you believe that? Uh, the guy bought built a friend of mine. He, he he bought the whole building, and and there was an empty steakhouse on, on the property. And so he uh, very very smart guy. He said, uh, "Would you like a a, a a night a nightclub? You know, after hours club." And I said, "Yes, thank you." <laughs> and so we and that's where I met my now my wife now. You know, because she was so young, no one would let her in any other club, but my club. <laughs> Because her and her sister would go around barefoot, and <laughs> so you can't get in nightclubs without any shoes. You know, no shoes, no service. Remember exactly. those days? Yeah. So, uh, so she, so we had the nightclub, and then, uh, then I had another nightclub given to me again because, you know, it was very tough. The times had changed. It was the '60s, and times had changed. Went from alcohol to to pot. And, and, you know, and, and so the crowd, the, the young crowd, you know, they weren't going for that. And the booze heads, the drunks, they were, they were, they wanted to, uh, to sit there and look at naked women. And so I opened a strip club, a strip. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and that's, that's when I found out that 
dancers, you know, you paid like two hundred dollars a week, you know, but actresses, <laughs> <laughs> you paid them maybe fifty, sixty bucks a week, and they're exactly. glad to get it. You know? That's and they would do the same, and they would all they did more actually. But but they were treated more instead of like a sexual object. They were treated like human beings, you know, and 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 it was and res, with with respect because once the girls start talking, you know, they, they were a lot of them. Uh, they were not only beautiful, but they're so intelligent, you know, and that and they're only working like that because it's an easy way to make money, you know, uh, a lot of money, uh, big money. And my wife, again, you know, she was too young to work anywhere else. And she looked young. But because I owned the club, uh, uh, when we started the strip, in fact, she was the one that helped me turn, turn it into a strip club. And and, and then uh, she started working there. My brother, he ran the clubs. He, he hired her first as a cigarette girl, you know. And then that lasted one night. And then 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 she became a waitress. And she became the the made more tips than anybody else in in, in the club in in the city. The the waitresses used to have this little comp competition who made the most tips, and Shelby made more tips than anybody else in the city because she was gorgeous and she she made this little. She's a seamstress too, you know. She makes clothes and she made this little sexy dress. And it, and it pulls you, and it looks like you're going to see something when she bends over. And, and of course, you don't. But the guys just threw money at her. And, and the funny thing about her, she would count her tips in front of my dad, who was uh, the bartender. And my dad was, you know, was Chinese and, <clears throat> and very Chinese. And uh, he, he, like, he worked in restaurants all his life, too, you know. <laughs> but my but you know as a bartender he got a few tips nothing like my <laughs> my Xiaomi, Xiaomi 100 200 <laughs> uh, great times great times so on your research at cannabis like you said you did a lot of research I saw your documentary uh, everybody seems to think that if you take what I have in the past you take a lot of cannabis the old way was uh, this is they had the fried egg this is your brain on drugs and everything else it doesn't make yeah. you, with the research. It doesn't make you stupid. It's not. It's not like it's going to affect you completely. You know, neurologically, it actually have more beneficial neurologically than some of the opiates out there. Yeah. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. What what it does? We have receptors in in, in our brain and for the for cannabis. And, and they, all the research says that all animals do, you know, the, the cannabis was uh, back in the day, you know, the cowboy days, you know, because I grew up with the, uh, Roy Rogers and Gene Autry. And when I was a little kid, you know, we got guns for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> the best. The best gift you could get would be a, was a BB gun. We we're talking about that. You know? Oh, man, a BB gun. And. And, and the thing is, uh, back in the day, they had that this thing about local weed. You know, the the horses, the cows, and that they would eat the local weed, and then they would act crazy. They would like, <laughs> you know, they would uh, be 
just weird. They'd be acting weird. And and so that was a big joke of the day, you know. Oh, he got in some some of that local weed. But it was marijuana growing wild in the in the back in the West in that. No, it's it it's uh it, it's so effective because what it does, this is this is my unscientific uh, conclusions, you know, that I came up with. It it calms the mind and to the point where it forces you all of a sudden you hear music and you want to hear you hear so much of the music that you never really paid attention to because normally we're we're thinking of the future or we're we're stuck in the past we're 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 moaning about what we should have done or we're worried about what we have to do well when you get high on 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 marijuana cannabis uh, you're just in the moment you're enjoying every bit of the moment, whatever it is, eating an apple, having a bath, uh, swimming, uh, you know, gardening, working, digging a ditch. Whatever you're doing, you get so involved in it because it focuses you. It focuses your attention. Now, I got I got I got a call coming in. I had to knock him off. But 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 you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and so this is and this is why it it. It, 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 it's it's negative for some people, like schizophrenics, for instance, you know, because can you imagine you got mental problems and all of a sudden you get high and now you're focused more on the mental problems, you see? And so so it, it, it can it can be a very negative in that way or or, you know, some traumatic things happen to you, you know, and, and, it, and, it, and it can just there, there's times. In other words, there's times in a place, you know, people I was watching. Uh, we were binge watching movies all the time now. And I was, there was one movie and, and they're always drinking. They're drinking. And, and then you see the reason why they're drinking is to calm the nerves. That's what they say. Calm the nerves. Well, what it is like, like, uh, Hemingway, you know, he was a writer. Now, the only way he could write it was when it'd be sloshed, you see. And so what happens again, the alcohol forces you into the very basic things, you know, that, that you can do. And now if you're a writer, I can just see it just because it's all stored up in there and it allows you, you don't get, you don't get distracted by uh, you know, other worries because you're, you're, you're just trying to, you know, trying to, like you're trying to drive, you know, you're just trying to stay between <laughs> yeah. the lines. You know? Exactly. And, and that's the but, conversation I was trying to have, like with fire departments and their whole thing. It's, it's fine for you to get off shift after a bad shift and go to the bar and get sloshed when it, it might be actually safer and more beneficial for a healthier way to actually go maybe have a THC beer or, or a strip like yours and just kind of relax and, and, and mellow out after that shift instead of worrying about getting sloshed, even feeling worse the next day and all the bad stuff that comes with alcohol. That comes with it, yeah. Like being mean to your, your wife and kids, you know, being, being mean to anybody, you know, or being rude or being ignorant or telling people off for no reason, you know. Thing, the trouble is with alcohol, it makes you aggressive, you know. It, it, it'll take the meekest guy in the world and he'll, he'll fight a brick wall, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? And fire, especially firemen. 
Oh yeah, because because you're 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 fighters. That's what you're doing. You're fighting a fire. You're fighting, you know, a disaster. You're the first guys in there, you know, throwing bricks aside trying to right. rescue we're, we're, somebody. We're constantly you know? on edge, so, so, so you know, to take that edge off, I would feel like totally. I'd feel much better to take an edge off to where I know A, it'd be healthy. B, it won't make me worse. Well, look what alcohol does to you. Uh, I took a drug course when I was in prison. <laughs> it <laughs> was <that>. mandatory because. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, it was mandatory because I, I had a drug rap, and so they treated me like, and I wanted to anyway, you know. And I found out alcohol, what it does, it acts on the body the same way that ether does. You know, when they back in the day they used to use ether when they put you under to uh, to operate on you. Well, what what ether does, it takes you to that close to death. You're that close to death. That's why they have the anesthesiologist there monitoring your heart rate and and, and, and the limb. And so what they do, they just they just keep you alive. But you're not. But they can do anything with your body because you're really out of your body. So it's an out of body experience when you have alcohol. And the other the problem, the, the, the worst thing about alcohol, it it attacks and it destroys the liver. Well, the liver is where everything is distributed to your body, the good stuff. And, and like the, the, the kidney is a filter, but the liver is the distribution center. And then if you ruin that, you die. <laughs> as simple as that. You know, it, it, create, it, it converts stuff into blood and, and, and then, you, then that, that's your life blood. And so you're really drinking poison when you're, when you're doing alcohol, you're really drinking poison and you, you usually die early. You know, you, you die be, before your time. Marijuana, on the other hand, <laughs> no, no, not at all. It, it you know, the lungs, if you smoke it too much, uh, you know, I had, I had friends of mine, you know, when he turned 80, almost 90, he quit smoking, but he, he still did edibles, you know, and right up until he died, and uh, and and that's that's what I found out. You know, it's just so much more healthier for you, and especially firemen, because firemen, you know, the ones that I knew, you know, they they, they worked out. They always, the ones I knew, I always had. They had a weight room in in, in the place, and and yeah, of course you have to work out because you know, just put just carrying all exactly. the gear is heavy. One hundred percent. Then you got to run and climb kind of, uh, yeah, ladders. They don't care on the hundredth floor yeah, whether you're you, tired or not. <laughs> no, no, you got to be in shape. Oh man, when when that uh, World Trade Center happened, and I was watching those guys going up, how many three hundred flights yeah. of st yeah. stairs with all with the all gear. the gear? Oh, oh, oh! I can't. I, I used to do stairs to stay in shape. You know, when I was on the road uh, this, this a few years ago, I, because I always did stare, but, you know, but just my little sweats on. Imagine carrying this gear in your, oh, man. Oh, you guys hey, are something else. You. All right, I'm closing the show. Uh, something on a personal note. I know you had cancer in the past, beat it. It came back. How is how's it going now? Is it is it gone? Gone. Fabulous. Gone, like a cool Fabulous. breeze. Gone. I had, I had my blood work done. And they just wanted to um, 
He said, there's just one little thing. You, you know, when you get your blood work done in the doctor, he gives you, oh, it's good news. Everything's great, great, great. But you're waiting for that one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he says, everything's good, but, and I'm waiting, what? Uh, I'm very close to being a, a sugar di a diabetic, which is dangerous. And so I took, I, I take a little pill and, and that's it. And then I knock off the sugar, uh, which is, wasn't, wasn't hard to do, but no, it, the, the weed, man, it's, it, it affects the brain and in, in a very, I have very another, good I have way. another firefighter that had that just got diagnosed with, I actually have a friend that just got diagnosed with advanced colon cancer. He's getting his medical marijuana lines. I've, I have a firefighter that had a, a tumor in his brain, and the University of Miami did give him a, a cannabis pill, their medication, to go on because he can't take anything like Zofran for the nausea and everything else, but their chemotherapy. So he's taking that. So that's this is where this whole this whole podcast oh, yeah. started is that conversation because the fire department didn't really. They're like, well, we're not sure if you can take it. And he's like, what's well, the only thing I can take? So we need to figure something out. And this is why I started this podcast, is try to bring more, awa more awareness, talking to more people, talking to people like you who have been in the industry for a while. And I've went through a lot more than most have gone so far and give more insight on the past, the present, and the future of the industry. Well, good for you. And, 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 and don't be shy with the, with the, with the, with the pot. You know, the, the Rick Simpson oil, uh, it, it, it's powerful. And what it does, it almost puts you in a coma. But but tell your tell your buddy, uh, you know, if you got any kind of ailments, uh, dose it, dose it with with a heavy 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 duty stuff. It can't hurt. The, what it what the most it'll do is maybe put you uh, in the bed for a couple of days. Uh, you know, like a like a like a coma. It's like a, in a, an induced coma uh, with munchies. So <laughs> so it's good. <laughs> Well, Tommy, I appreciate you taking the time out of, out of your day today to talk with us. I hope you and your family stay healthy during the COVID and everything else. And I hope we can talk soon sometime. Anytime. And good luck with you. Take care, Tommy. Take care, brother. Bye-bye. Okay, man. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Good Dudes Grow. I'm your host, Gary Roberts. You can follow me on Instagram at Good Dudes Grow or check our product line at www.pbzcbd.com. Opposing views to give you nothing but the facts.